You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the War Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. War Eagle Auburn family, your man Ike Jones in here. We're taking a trip down the Auburn Express and we're heading straight to Neville Arena this time. Talking a little basketball and I got my guy Auburn memes in here. We're going to just... uh see if we can uh rile the jungle up a little bit talking a little basketball how you feeling today memes feeling feeling great capped it off of game last night as always electric energy even for your non-sec neville arena was jumping not every team in the sec can say that even for big games even the smaller games It is electric in there and of course always so great to be undefeated and ranked in the top 15 college basketball right now yeah we're going to talk a little bit about that ranking here in a minute i think too but uh yeah a good game against colgate auburn has its best i would say offensive performance thus far this season 93 points and um really it never was in doubt like i didn't never i never felt like during this game oh colgate's about to make a run and, and and make this interesting uh auburn offensively was able to continue shooting the ball really well and uh kept Colgate at bay um but yeah let's uh, talk a little bit more about the game last night what did you you know you had an opportunity to be there and feel the environment but what did you think of the shooting performance particularly uh last night for Auburn 55 percent from the field 45 percent from three last night what'd you feel about that well yeah no I mean by far the biggest surprise and this has been characteristic for Auburn all season this season so far has been some of these slow starts. And it doesn't matter the level of competition that they played. They would have these just kind of stagnant. You're looking, you're like, all right, we're, we're you know, knocking on the door of 10, 15 minutes left in the first half. And like, neither team has scored above 10 points. Like, you'd see a right. lot of that, e- even if it was against a team that Auburn was favored by well over double digits in the game. It was just these like really slow, stagnant starts. And this was a, completely uh, different situation here because right at the beginning of this game, uh, Flanagan, who I would say had a very good game statistically and really passed the eye test on both sides of the ball, got the ball rolling. He hits an early three and they just kept, kept their foot on the gas for the entirety of the first half. But right out of the gate, they did it, got the crowd into the game. And it was just like that, that energy was contagious to where it just felt like everybody could make a shot. I'm not as thrilled with the defense. Uh, they they let Colgate get away with some pretty um, pretty easy threes. Now, if I remember correctly, that was the bag on Colgate as they were a really good three-point shooting team. And that was just something that Auburn was going to have to deal with. And they showed that early in the game, which kind of kept that score closer than it would have been had they not been playing an opponent that was so good from deep. But all the same, it was good to see Auburn really respond to that and start hitting a lot of threes on their own side, which zooms us into our uh, feast or famine player with that, which was KD, who went three for three in the first half from deep. Yeah. 
No, K- KD came out aggressive. And um, I, interestingly, I don't know if it was just a uh, scouting report thing of like, okay, we'll just let this guy shoot. Colgate didn't seem interested in closing out on KD, especially on one particular shot where he just kind of, the uh, the defender just gave him room and pretty much dared him to shoot it. And he's like, okay, I'll take it. And uh, he knocks it down. KD definitely came out aggressive and was able to hit shots early. And I think that's key for him is just being able to get see the see the ball go in the bucket early. Um, and it helps him to be able to continue to get his momentum going. And then he doesn't get the silly over-aggressive foul on the defensive end because sometimes I feel like when he's not making his shots, he feels like he has to make it up defensively, and then he starts to be a little too aggressive. Uh, so definitely a good sign when KD knocks down one of his first couple of shots. No, he definitely he definitely feeds off his own energy. That is for sure. So if yeah. he can get if he can get cooking early, it can be real bad news. But you're right, and that's actually an observation that I didn't really pay attention to as much. But Colgate was most definitely letting Auburn take a few threes. I can remember many instances. The one you just said with KD, <clears throat> Lior had some looks, and there are even a few looks that some guys had that didn't pop it when they could have. But I almost wonder if that was part of their game plan because statistically, going into this game, Auburn for the uh, was shooting for the year under well before this game. <laughs> Before this game, I want to say they were floating somewhere in the neighborhood of about 25% from the three. So yeah. why would you not let him shoot? Shoot, be in a good place to rebound. You've got a good chance of just getting an easy turnover there. So obviously yeah. Auburn shot a very uncharacteristic, I think by the time the game was done, I think it was 45% is... 45, yeah, I'm looking at the percentages right now. 45% last night right. in the game. And they took a and they took a pretty high volume as well. It wasn't like, oh, it was 45% on three. I mean, I guess they what, uh, 10 for 10 for yeah, 22. 10 of 22. Which yeah. is way better than like six for 22 or something. They'd been floating around all season. So, right. yeah, I mean, you, you upped your three-point makes by... 20% there. Now, granted, maybe that was just a bad game plan in Colgate. Maybe that shouldn't be as expected moving forward, but it was refreshing to see nonetheless. I thought that was by far the story of the night. At one point in the first half, they'd peaked at 75%. Just everything was hitting. Yeah. Now, the bad part there is the second half, they they averaged 30%. So, kind of the uh, kind of a bad sign there, because I think they were 58% going into half. So, not as good the second half. Now, with that being said, too, I think you had some a lot more guys coming off the bench that took some threes. Uh, Chance Westry, specifically, he went over three from deep. He wasn't playing as many minutes in the first half, and that obviously knocked those numbers down. But aside from him, everybody else who took multiple threes was fairly consistent on their uh, on their shots. Yeah, I, I think um, if Auburn can shoot in the thirty percent range, uh, you know, thir- mid thirties from three, I, that's pretty much all you need uh, from this team. As long as they're not going out there just chunking threes, uh, but they're they're knocking down 30% of them, I think that they're going to be in a good spot. For me, this season, it's always been about the quality of the looks, not necessarily whether or not they're making them. I, I mean, I hate when we miss the two-pointers, the easy stuff in the paint. Like That's a, a little more frustrating than, for me than jump shots not falling. I just don't like the, the looks that aren't quality, uh, where they're, you know, you know, God bless him, Wendell Green, you know, sh- shooting from the timeline or the, from the, the logo um, early in the shot clock or KD dribble, 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 step behind a, a pick and, and then then hoist a three up, you know, with 15 seconds left on the clock. Those types of threes are the ones that I don't like. 
Um, but the ones that come out of rotation, the ones that come out of a dribble drive and kick, those are the ones that, you know, I feel like we're we're going to be better at. I was worried about this game from an offensive standpoint because Jalen Williams wasn't playing. And I thought, oh, man, he's he's kind of our more consistent outside shooter uh, scoring big. Uh, but no problem. Uh, <laughs> you know, no Jalen Williams, no problem. That was definitely surprising for me to see in this game. But hopefully uh, this isn't an aberration. And this is going to be some sort of trend that we see going forward with Auburn shooting a little bit better from the field. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who may not have caught the press conference, uh, Bruce Pearl did acknowledge and confirm that Jalen Williams at some point during their trip to Mexico and Cancun, that he picked up COVID somewhere somewhere along the ways of their travels. I'm guessing he was just on the tail end of that uh, recovery. So he was still at the game. So I guess the timeline of what the CDC recommends, he can still be around people. He did have on a mask the entire time he was there. He just wasn't dressed out. So he was there supporting the team just wasn't playing and given the nature of how this game went, there was no need for him to uh, overdo it and risk that. So yeah. And, and Jalen Williams had been a very, very key part of this team and the chemistry adapted. And that was one thing I thought about before the season started. I was really curious about it. I was like, how is the rotations of this team going to work without Jalen? They started running a lot more three guard stuff. I've been a big fan of the three guard stuff uh, since last year when they would mix it up with any sort of combination with Wendell KD, Chance, and then uh, they threw Lior in there as well, and I guess Zeb. So you had a lot of different combinations, and it worked well. It always seems to throw other teams off, see a little bit more speed. The ball rotation always seems to increase for that. So it definitely has a very good situational strategy. And that's what uh, Bruce also said, too, is uh, without Jalen, they wanted to give Lior those minutes, and Lior ended the night with 11 minutes. And he was playing uh, He was playing you know, defensively. He was playing real hard. He was everywhere. And that was some of the struggles I thought Lior had last year that I think his game has sure. developed is he was an incredible shooter last year when he would get these great open looks. And then going into January, I want to say he was in the top 20 for uh, three point percentage in the entire country. So his shooting isn't quite there. He hadn't gotten the minutes to really get the chances to do that, but he looked like a deer in headlights on defense last year. This year he was playing a lot more physical on defense. So if he does start to get some of those minutes again, you really feel confident about Lior being in there on both sides of the ball, which was very refreshing. Yeah, that was the interesting thing. It, rotationally, um, you know, and, and you and I talked about this a little bit, um, Lior getting more minutes as opposed to, you know, what had been happening before, uh, which they were bringing in um, Trey Donaldson, right, as the other guard. Now Trey is not as tall as Lior, and so maybe that was the you know I don't I don't know what the reasoning was that they were like yeah we're just gonna go with Lior this game as opposed to rotating Donaldson and Donaldson uh, finished the game only playing three minutes in the game and Lior had eleven, um, so those are minutes that normally would be going towards Trey Donaldson. I thought that was interesting for this game, uh, but it definitely paid off because as you point out, Lior is a better shooter, uh, so it allows them to spread it out a little bit more. And, and get some open looks. Uh, Donaldson is more of a, a driving guard, and, and Leo is more of a, a, a guy who's going to float around the perimeter and look for open shots in that way. So uh, it paid off in this game. I, one thing that I thought was interesting, just taking a, a look more at the second half uh, from the opposite side, is Colgate decided to go to a zone a lot in the second half of this game. They were switching their coverages up, going between man and zone. But what I liked about Auburn's strategy is they didn't just start shooting the bunch of threes over the top of the zone because that's what you tend to see with uh, teams is you switch to a zone, 
you're going to get more looks from the outside just from natural rotation. And they're, they're sinking back trying to stop the post entry. Uh, but Auburn didn't settle for that. They were doing a good job of actually pressing the zone, finding guys in the middle or driving and uh, being able to get pick their spots inside of that zone. So a great job of Auburn just being disciplined, I think, in the second half and not just chucking up a bunch of shots because they were available. Yeah, they did really well in the second half of getting down low. Uh, that's where Broom and Cardwell both just were able to eat. <laughs> they found yeah. the ball. And Johan as well. They uh, they got some balls down there to Trey Orr and he was uh getting them down low. So it was a it was a good it, it was a good um counterpunch by Bruce Pearl and how I mean it just goes to show it's refreshing to see a coach that can adjust and counter in the second half. And I think Auburn has shown that they can do that. It's nice to see that they uh have a repertoire of bags up their sleeves. And I think that goes to show which is the personnel of this team compared to last year's team that maybe not as skilled at the top because obviously you don't have two first-round draft picks on the team, but with the guys that you have and their skill set, it sort of opens up for having a little bit more tricks in the bag. And I think you're seeing it with just situations like that is just how, how they can find a way to adjust on the fly. And then not only that, but we see positive results from it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I love the balance of this team as as far as the way they can be balanced. I think uh, this is one of the things that I've commented on with the addition of Janai Broom. Uh, you've got the ability to get more post touches in there um, and allow a guy to just go one-on-one against his defender in the post and present matchup problems for someone else. Uh, I think a breath of fresh air was the the baby hook falling for Cardwell in the lane. It's like, okay, he, he's got some offensive game he can employ down in the post, so maybe we can start to see him get more post touches and see if that game can develop. And then, you know, of course, Jalen Williams has been good in the, in the mid-range post with the little uh, over-the-shoulder the left-hand floater. Uh, he's a lefty, so of course he's going to shoot it left most of the time. But just that that turn over the the right shoulder to the left hand kind of jump hook shot has been good for him. So good to see us being able to get paint touches, guys in the paint being able to get decent looks and scoring from that position, something that we didn't really have last year. Though Jalen Williams and Cardwell were both on the team, not seeing a lot of that last year, a lot more of that this year. And that's the kind of stuff that allows you to stem the tide when you haven't been uh, scoring well from the outside. Like, hopefully we don't have a repeat performance uh, from the perimeter like we did against a Miami or a Texas A&M in the um, SEC tournament. But when you have those types of droughts, being able to go to the post and get higher percentage shots and then working in, out, inside out is the way to be able to, to change the momentum of that. Right, and I will say this, and it's it's interesting because last night scoring percentages aligned almost with what the season's season uh, point averages have been. But I think if you have your top four scores consistently being <clears throat> Wendell, Broom, Flanagan, and KD, Auburn's going to win a lot of games. If those, if those four guys are consistently throwing up points, I mean, you had Wendell and Broom at 13, you had Flan at 12, and you had KD at 16, you could swap KD and Wendell for who's going to throw the team on their back one particular week, but I mean, the consistent, and here's what I think you're, we're starting to see, which is just to me, incredibly, incredibly great breath of fresh air. Is that, a, I don't know. I might've said that wrong, but anyway, it's awesome. Love it. Is Flanagan being just consistent. Yeah. He doesn't have to be this world beater, but just being consistent. He got 12 points. He played 
27 minutes. So he actually led the team in minutes last night by a pretty large gap. His plus minus was 17, which was uh, tied for second for the night. And also considering how many minutes he played, I think that adds that even to me more impressive. And he shot very efficiently. I mean, he was five for seven and two for three for three. So yeah. he had a lot, he had a lot, he had a, he had seven rebounds. So, I mean, led the team in rebounds. So, and then statistically he had. But Janai Broom had nine rebounds. So Janai led. The team, oh, that's right. Still... I, I didn't see that. My fault. I don't know how to read. Yeah. Okay. So he was second for rebounds, which is still very impressive right there. Yeah. So, I mean, he had a very good game just pretty much across the board statistically. And if he can keep playing like that, like a senior player on this team and in the SEC, once again, as going back to my previous sentence, Auburn's going to win a lot of games. Because remember last year, it was a flank could be a liability out there, which is the turnovers. You'd get these erratic yeah. travels and all these other things. So it's great. If I, and I'm hoping maybe that the, the injury healed up. And then on top of that, just the mental side of it, him getting his confidence back, because he looks like a complete 180 from what he was last year. Yeah, I mean, he's another guy. I talked about Katie earlier, uh, who you want to see the first couple buckets go in for him, and that's going to be an indicator of what the game is going to go like. Um, he's another guy where you hope to get him going early, get him some quick, easy looks. Um, but, you know, his first shot was a three, right? And so I was just like, oh, man. Like, when he took it, it was in rhythm. And I was like, oh, that's the kind of shot you want to see Flanagan take. Right, you uh, you want to see him be able to collect himself in rhythm. Usually, he uses a dribble to get into that rhythm, um, and I, I like seeing him take those kind of shots. He had like a little uh, mid range floater along the baseline that he hit a little bit later after hitting that first three. He walked into another three later off of a good look from Wendell. Uh, so Flanagan's a guy who you want to get involved early. I think if you can get involved offensively early, he can be engaged the entire game. Um, throughout the process. Uh, defensively, he's always going to be locked in. I don't. I, there, this year, I have not seen the very uncharacteristic uh, Alan Flanagan defensive lapses. Last year, there were times where he looked lost out there on the floor. He was getting caught on back cuts and just taking silly fouls. He still takes a few silly fouls right now being aggressive, but um, I, I like the aggression. I like the fact that he's engaged defensively, and uh, I like even more, as you said, him being confident in his offensive game because I think that's going to be crucial. And it was a big thing we were missing last year is someone that is a big guard slash small forward that was going to be able to to make their minutes count. Uh, Simo was not that guy last year. He was hurt a, a, a good bit last year. Flanagan was not that guy last year. Devin Cambridge, not that guy last year, right? Like you just, you couldn't count on a lot of buckets, a lot of points being scored from that three, that that third man on the floor. And this year, I think that that's been a, a drastic difference for this team. I miss, I miss Cambridge's dunk highlights is, is in a complete, like, as much as I don't miss his just horrible Tommy Hawk threes that he chunk up there, those were those yeah. were killing me. Now I did want to ask this, kind of zooming out a little bit, go into kind of what we saw this game. Looking back, because we're almost knocking on the door SEC, SEC play. I think aside from Georgia State, it's nothing but uh, but Power Five, and I guess Memphis. But we consider Memphis a a, a, a historic strong basketball team as well here for Auburn for the remainder of the season. So what have you thought thus far of uh, non-con play? 
Uh, I think it's been a mixed bag, uh, specifically on the offensive end, but what has been consistent and um, should continue to be good is defense. Uh, we have played some very tenacious, um, the word I, I like to use really is annoying defense. Like we are annoying teams into very frustrating trips up and down the floor. Um, if it's a team who's equally as physical, that means the game is going to be chippy. It's going to be contentious. I, I think uh, the Texas Southern game, I think a little bit about how it was against St. Louis. Um uh, the Northwestern game, right? Like you see teams that are good defensively and, you know, we're going to struggle to score points against them, but we're going to annoy them just as much as they're annoying to us. And um, I think that that's the thing that I like to see from this team is they're scrappy and, um, you know, on the defensive end, we're going to, I mean, shoot, I'm trying to look at point totals so far this season, right? Like, uh, is is sixty nine the most points anybody scored all year? On Auburn, uh... yeah, it looks like sixty nine is the high of that. Like no team's cracked seventy yet against Auburn so far. Um, and that was Alabama Huntsville. They scored a lot of that in garbage time. Yeah, right? and so that like was even just... and that was even an expedition game. So that didn't even yeah. I mean, that wasn't even a real. So I guess if we're talking regular, yeah, so regular season, regular season, yeah. I mean, shoot, 16. has anybody scored more than? What was the no- Northwestern game? Northwestern was the forty-two, forty-three, which is incredible. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think the most that anybody has scored then, looking at this, is sixty, which was St. Louis in this last game, right? Sixty. Win- <clears throat> Winthrop got sixty-five on Auburn. I didn't even realize. Uh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, so Auburn hasn't let anybody score more than... Well, then Colgate got 66 last night, excuse me. So 66 was the high point total of anybody so far this season. And then it's the last game where we scored 93, right? So, like, when we score a bunch, it's like, all right, we're... You guys can score a little bit as well. And again, Winthrop is a team that's averaging over 70 this year. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if, you know, this keeping them to 66 is, is... that's a good thing, right? Like you're not even letting them get their season point totals out here. Um, Auburn's just been a menace on the defensive end. I mean, we're blocking a bunch of shots every game, forcing a ton of turnovers every game. You you notice um, just routinely teams are not getting shots until late in the shot clock. So just getting shots early in the shot clock has not been an easy proposition against Auburn. Um, Just, very characteristic of a, a Bruce Pearl team. P- people are having a tough time inbounding the ball, right? Like just defensively, a very solid basketball team in a lot of phases of defense. No, I, absolutely. And I mean, that's been the, <clears throat> that has been the, uh, the crux of this team for sure. And I was looking up, I was trying to compare to last year. So Auburn had let, uh, UCF and Syracuse get 68. I'm not going to count UConn because that game went into double overtime, so it's a little bit of an asterisk there. And 65 against uh, La Monroe. So they were still, um, and then even Nebraska, 68. So they were still keeping teams in that high 60s, but if we're looking at that margin, technically a little bit better than last year defensively, I don't think that's a, uh, I don't think that's a stretch to say. Yeah. So, which is, I mean, good. I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be the, that's going to be the, uh, I mean, Bruce Pearl said it, that's going to be the the crux of this team for winning games is yeah. 
winning the uh, winning the battle of attrition. Now, one thing that had me worried, just kind of in, in hindsight, as far as the matchups previously, is I didn't. What I didn't love about that Northwestern game is Northwestern has a big roster. They got some mm-hmm. big guys out there, and Auburn seemed to struggle with that last year too, which is big bodies. Maybe not even the most skilled bodies, but just big bodies. Auburn matched up far better with very physical, fast guards than they did just big players across the yeah. board. And size is definitely a thing that's been a problem for for this team. Physicality and size, right? So yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I wonder how much that was was it more the size matchup that got on them? It was just it was an away game in Cancun and it was just an off night. Keeping a team to 42 points, a power five team for 42 points is impressive nonetheless. Uh that was yeah. that was like almost basketball's version of three two. I mean, I was just so the game was just so frustrating to watch, but St. Louis is a good team, and they came back and yeah. had a very uh, commanding. I mean, it was a it was a five point game, but it really did feel like Auburn had control of that game. And then, obviously, with Colgate, it wasn't even and and the point spread for Colgate. I want to say it was only around like fourteen and a half, and Auburn nearly doubled that. So they uh, got it in the right direction. I think Memphis being away is going to be a very very telling game in Atlanta, and Auburn has always done well in that game over there, and it's a big recruiting ground for Bruce Pearl and Auburn. So that's very good strategy to always try to get one of those games there. So that'll be next Saturday at four on ESPN two going to be a really fun one to watch. And I think that's going to be a uh, very telling uh, how this Auburn team really looks on a bigger stage with a bigger opponent. Yeah, I am cautiously optimistic about SEC play or as we get into power five play for, for the things that you're talking about, about Auburn's ability to deal with size. So more athletic, bigger, specifically when you're talking about big guards, right? Because that means that your smaller guards are having a tougher time getting their shot off. And then when you still have big guys in the paint, if they do happen to get past them with their quickness, trying to get shots off in the paint. So that's something that Wendell Green is specifically has struggled with. Um, and that's why I feel like it's so important for Chance Westry to find his his legs and figure out how to be more impactful on the offensive end. Because if you do have those big guards in there and Wendell is struggling with his shot, if he can make his jump shots, he, he neutralizes all of that. But if he's not shooting the jump shot well, what he goes to is driving. And then trying to find his shot amongst the trees is going to be difficult. Chance Westry can be the guy that can come in get you buckets and shoot over the top of those bigger guards and allow you to still run your offense with someone who is proficient at being able to be a point guard. Um, so he he's going to be crucial as we get into these, this next phase of the season. Now looking forward, and I do want to ask, I do want to ask this because you brought up a very good point is let's talk about the freshman here for a second. You already kind of teased it, mm-hmm. but just comparing Trey chance. So we put a little asterisk by chance because he obviously had that uh, knee procedure done. So he's probably still getting back in the, the groove of it. And uh, Treor. So what has your thoughts been on those guys so far? Good, bad, neutral? What what should we expect? What could we expect? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they, they've played like freshmen. They've played like guys who need some time to understand what it is that's being asked of them and the pace of the game and just understanding how to play at this level. I think the one that struggled, in my opinion, the most has been Johan Treor, um, just in in being able to be consistent. What I love about him is he's got good energy, and he always seems to um, to play hard, right? And that's not saying the other guys don't play hard, but I'm just talking specifically about him. 
he, he he seems to be playing with a lot of good energy and just activity when he's out there. He just doesn't seem to always know where he needs to be on defensive rotations. Offensively, he can get a little uh, jittery, right? So when he catches the ball, he looks like he's just always trying to go really fast and it's not it's not under control and measured movement. Uh, but I think as he starts to figure that out and understand his pace a little bit better, he's going to be special because he has literally every tool. He's got the the the, the athleticism. He's got a good uh, shooting stroke that will allow him to step out and shoot some shots, hit free throws, that sort of thing. He can jump out the gym. Uh, so he's going to be able to do some good things, but he still needs to figure out how to play with a good pace and rhythm. Um. From a Trey Donaldson perspective, I like the tenacity that he brings. He's a he's he's a bulldog. Like you can just tell that he's really aggressive and he he plays with a pretty good pace. He just hasn't found anything on the offensive end to speak of. Like there's nothing that I say, oh man, you know, Trey Donaldson's gonna like you know how you can look at a guy and you you can say, Oh, that's what he does well offensively. I don't know what that is for Trey Donaldson yet. He's not really a pull-up shooter. He's not really a spot shooter. He's not really, I mean, he can drive, but he's not really an elite finisher. He's not really a great passer. Like, he's just kind of there, and he doesn't give you bad minutes, but he doesn't give you super impactful minutes on the offensive end. Defensively, I think he's sound. Offensively, I don't think he's giving you a lot right now. Um, and of the ones that I feel like has the highest upside from what I've seen so far, even including the in in injury, it's going to be Chance Westry. Now, the issue I have with Chance Westry is he um, offensively definitely hasn't found his his rhythm. Uh, he's really good with distribution of the basketball, but on the defensive end is where I think he has struggled the most. And I think that's what he's best at. He just uh, rotations. He's getting lost in the rotation a little bit. He gets a little over aggressive with his hands and, and, and tends to swipe at the basketball a little too much. Uh, but I think he's going to be special once he starts to, to figure it out just from his basketball IQ and the pace he plays with offensively. He's going to be really special when he figures it out. No, I mean, I would agree with all that. Uh, I, it, to me, Treor is just the, the one that I'm having the most trouble with because he was so good. I mean, he played really, really well in Israel. And so I was like, oh, man, yes. he's going to come out of the gate swinging. And you're right. I mean, he has he's had some freshman moments. The good news is there's still plenty of time to develop. We've seen the flashes. And obviously, Bruce Pearl and staff, great coaches, they'll find a way to develop that out. So I, I think you're you're right with the, the synopsis. All those guys, there's really nothing I can add to that. Now, I will ask you this, too, because it's an interesting point just kind of in the, the retrospect period this year to last year. So to get everything going so we can start looking forward here for the rest of the schedule, who do you think has been the most improved player from last year to this year? I've got an answer, but I don't hear yours. Ooh, that's interesting. I, I mean, it's hard to not go with Alan Flanagan just because of how, how bad he played last year. And he's been, he's been a breath of fresh air this year. Um, but honestly, the guy who I think is has gone from uh, you kind of cringe a little bit when he comes into games to now you 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 love every minute that he's giving you is Dylan Cardwell. Uh, that was just about just about that was going to be my guy. And the reason I didn't yeah. say Flan was because I gave him a little bit of an asterisk there because he was injured. So I'm not going to be oh he's most like you know it's kind of a he was recovering. So, but 100%, if you're talking just raw, like year over year, yeah, it's got to be flam. But as far as just like 
natural progression? Because I think a lot of people were writing Cardwell out as being a just a guy who would give you some bench minutes, but he's giving yeah. you very valuable minutes. He's upped every single statistic. His energy's good, and he just passes the eye test. It's, he's getting very timely points, very timely rebounds, very timely blocks that show up on the stat sheet, but they don't show up on the stat sheet in bold necessarily. Like, oh, that was a – we needed that rebound right there. We did not need them to score. We needed that momentum. And you don't have – there's not a momentum category in the stat sheet. And Cardwell, 100%, I'm with you on that. Another one I want to add to, and I'm not going to say this is most improved, I think has the most points to shine, would be Chris Moore. Mm. Because he's getting more – I mean, he's, his minutes last year were – Seven and a half. That was his average game minute. This year, Chris Moore is knocking at the door of 16 and a half minutes. So you've added nearly 10 minutes of game time, and right. you've seen what he can do go up from there. Just the consistency in the senior leadership. Like I said, he's still averaging 5.8 points a game. So is better than 1.7 from last year, but you're just, you're not seeing, you're seeing good plus minus out of Chris Moore when he's out there. Yeah. So it, it's stuff like that, that you really like, okay, that's just the type of consistency. You're seeing it on both sides of the ball. You're seeing efficient shooting. You're not seeing him be a liability out there and just playing real hard. And that's the, uh, that's, that's been a really big relief to see. And then obviously I'm sure, you know, we'll see more Jalen, but I don't think, as many people would have expected Jalen, Chris, and Dylan to take the, the leaps that they did. And I think everybody hoped Allen did. And I think that hope is really starting to come to fruition. But uh, as far as those three go, I think Jalen probably was a bit more expected. But I don't think – I think the skeptics were, were sleeping on uh, Cardwell and Chris taking the leaps they did. Yeah, no, I definitely believe that um, Cardwell – Cardwell's just – he looks like a seasoned – basketball player out there this year he knows where he's supposed to be in his rotations for the most part uh he's staying out of foul trouble i think which is important because i think that was an issue for him um even in limited minutes he was just kind of out there you know hacking people yeah. <laughs> when he would get into the game um you know he, you can tell you know that he's focused on the thing that you hear him say a lot is being second off the floor right not jumping at every ball fake trying to swat every shot but just understanding that Hey, you're you're a tall guy. You don't have to beat them off the floor to be able to to affect the shot. You just need to be able to and 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 I think that's the important thing. It's just you have to affect every shot. You don't have to block all of them. And I think he has learned how to do that a little bit better. And then offensively, um, last year you would see you know somebody give him the ball in the paint, and, and he had a little bit of what I talked about with Treor, where it's like he looked nervous with the ball in his hands. He wasn't catching it solidly. You don't see that this year. He looks confident when he gets it. He understand what he he understands what he needs to do, and the moment doesn't feel too big for him that such so far. So, like the minutes that you're getting out of Dylan Cardwell, um, not really much bad to say about his offensive game. Like he's he's not going to be a scoring guy, but he's going to impact the game in all the ways that you want your big to be able to do. Um, that that are not you know dump the ball into the paint and give you you know Oscar Sheepway type you know point scoring no you brought up a you brought up a great point there because especially getting into sec play when it was like everybody's kind of scratching their head like what weaknesses does this auburn team have a glaring one that started to get taken advantage of and i will definitely say the uh alabama game in coleman coliseum was where you first started seeing like uh oh this is this is what other teams are going to try to do if you got the bigs in foul trouble starting with walker mm -hmm. 
it just mm-hmm. the entire game plan started to crumble from there. I don't think that you're going to see that this year as much just due to the fact of you've got more you've got more versatile pieces on the team now. And then also, I mean, Broom and Cardwell are showing that they're playing a little bit more discipline down there to not let those fouls get drawn on them thus far. So that's uh that that's a good weakness to take away because I mean that was when you'd see that was when you'd see Auburn start to crumble especially when they had to take Cardwell and Walker out of the game you'd have Jalen playing the five I mean it was uh, a those are those are scary little game stretches now uh yeah I mean oh go ahead getting Walker Kessler in foul trouble was like the remedy last year it's like you get him in foul trouble the defense falls apart I don't feel like there is a guy in that defensive like if you get all of them in foul trouble of course you're in problem but like you can't just say we're going to head fake Walker a couple of times, get a, get two cheap fouls on him, and then defensively Auburn is doomed. That's not the case this year. You know, looking looking forward to the rest of the season here, literally I'm looking forward to it, but we're also looking at the schedule. Oh, sorry, bad dad joke. Um, what do you think, especially kind of zoomed into SEC play, how do you feel for Auburn's outlook with the schedule thus far? Uh, I mean, it's tough for me to to, to give a, a really great uh, feel about just because I haven't watched a lot of the other teams in the SEC play. You know, um, of course, Mississippi State has still not lost a game, I don't think, this season. So they look good. But um, it's going to be tough, I think, for Auburn as we talk about the same types of things that um, they struggled with last year. And that's going to be big athletics like we talked about already, but teams who, I think we haven't seen a team shoot really well against Auburn yet. And I don't know if that's by virtue of our defense or just, we haven't found a team that's just lights out in that way. But I think it's going to be interesting to see if there's a team who can really score efficiently. Can we either force them into bad looks and clamp down defensively, or can we find a way to rise up and start getting buckets? Um, and because and, that's going to be kind of a telltale sign of because like when you think about and I think about a team like Miami, right, like that we lost to in the in the tournament last year. They just turned it into a track meet and they pulled everybody out of the paint and then they went NASCAR on us and we had to figure out how to score with them because we couldn't just clamp down on them. Um, I don't know that there's a team in the SEC that's going to do that to us. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see whether or not Auburn can adjust in that way this year. Um, Arkansas comes to mind as a team who can just really score. Bama comes to mind as a team that can just really score. Uh, but hopefully both of those teams' uh, propensity to turn the ball over so far this season will be something that we can take advantage of. Yeah, and one little asterisk on Mississippi State's uh, schedule. I think they've played one of the softest schedules in the nation right now. I mean, I want to say like they haven't played – I'm just – guesstimating this quote so don't 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 crucify me if it's wrong here but it was somewhere along the lines of like they haven't played a team like the highest team they played was like 150 in Ken Palm or something so they've played it and if you look at their schedule it's a soft schedule but I, I think going into SEC play you're looking at a home game versus Florida Florida mm-hmm. hasn't looked fantastic Georgia is still Georgia I mean they were last in the league uh memory serves me which it does that only had one SEC win which was against none other than Alabama so love uh, bringing that one up so surely you got to think that those two kind of get you a few easy wins as long as Auburn doesn't screw the pooch up there and then the tough one is going to be that Arkansas game which you have at home which is going to be a marquee matchup for sure 
Get a little yeah. revenge game there. Uh, Arkansas, still a really good team. So that's going to be a, uh, a tough one. I'm pretty sure their Jalen Williams is gone, who was just, I've never seen a guy who was able to draw charge calls like he was. I mean, that would always just like maybe want to bed, bang my head through a wall. It's like, how do you think this is? It's his fifth one you'll let him get. So, and Auburn will just take that. I mean, for the previous two seasons, I remember Auburn would just take that hook, line, and sinker. They would always just let him get charges on him. And it was just like, and then once again, going back to what we we're saying earlier, getting somebody in foul trouble. And it was usually a, that one, if I remember, it was like he got Wendell in like one or two. I mean, it was just like, it was rough. So it was either Wendell or Katie. I remember he was just like, it was just, they could not not hit him. So yeah. once you get through that, um, once you get through that Arkansas game, I think just with the matchups of who's away and who's home, you have a nice little stretch there. And then, of course, um, you get into you get in the tough stretch there when you've got the Tennessee away, A and M away, and then you got Alabama at home, which is home game. It's going to be a super big revenge game for them. And yeah, yeah, we we hung we we hung a uh, hundred on them last time. So yeah, so and there's no telling how. I mean, there's if there's any team in the SEC right now that you just have no idea what the trajectory of their momentum is, it's Alabama because. They they have shown that they can beat the best of them and lose to the worst of them. So you just have no idea how that game could even look. I mean, probably not even until the night it happens, unless that team shows that they can be a bit more consistent, which from the looks I've seen of them, just from watching a little bit this year, I'm not as sold on Alabama as Alabama sold on Alabama. Are they better than last year? Yeah. But are they going to be like this as consistent as they were in the previous year before that? I am not really going to say I feel comfortable going off the bat for that. The the problem with Alabama has always been the same thing, even in the year that they won the SEC, is that they are feast or famine. Mm -hmm. Like, they're either really good or they're really bad um, on any given night. And it's just, it so happened that the year that they won the SEC, their bad nights were just not bad enough for them to get beat a bunch. But, um you know, I, I guess that's uh, that's what Nate Oates preaches. We're we're going to be inconsistent, guys. Let's go out here this year and be inconsistent because that's the only thing that you can have as a unifying theme amongst the Nate Oates Bama teams thus far is inconsistency, and they've held true to that uh, his entire tenure thus far. So, good job, Nate. Yeah, and then I think the real the real fun one is we just got to hope that uh, let's just say Auburn is in contingency for some for the regular season SEC title or a high seed in the SEC tournament that it's not coming down to the last games of the season because you've got Kentucky away, Alabama away, and then Tennessee at home. And those are going to be three really tough games. So if you're looking to, um, if Auburn is on the thread of making something happen, let's hope that they've uh, got it locked in before those three games, because uh, that could, that could totally, and it, it just stinks that the, where your season ends could just come down to the the final stretch of the race. And that's going to be a really, really tough one to end on it. So looking at the schedule, I would say they got a pretty easy stretch to start, which hopefully given the youth of the team with um, some of the freshmen who could be playing key roles, some of the guys kind of getting back in the rhythm, some of the changing identity is actually going to be, you know, will behoove them for understanding and establishing what they're good at and what they're not good at. And the key thing for this team, and I'll just kind of end it with this year, is they've got to peak at the right time, and I think they've got a schedule that yeah. will allow them to do that. But they've got to, they've got to time it right here. <laughs> so hopefully that'll be coming sometime in February because that's when the schedule is going to just be 
apps. I mean, really the entire month of February, Auburn just has a gauntlet there. So, so if they're ready for it. Yeah, I think uh, you, you hit it right on. The, I think the key for this team is going to be starting strong in SEC play and um, just figuring. I, th- I think last year, so let's just kind of zoom back out. And l- last year, the issue with this team is, you know, they went on that tear where they didn't, you know, what, 20, 21 straight victories and you know, number one team in the country, but they were like barely winning games. And I just feel like that that weight of you don't want to lose a game, it, it kind of wore on them after a while. And the, it, it became this, uh, it, it became a little bit of an albatross around their neck, right? Like, but I think this year, having gone through that, they're going to be better in those moments and they're going to be able to handle it a little bit better. But the difference between this year and last year is, you know, a, a big, uh, Jabari Smith sized hole in your ability to just go like just think about the way that Jabari Smith kind of willed this team back into games a couple of times of just coming down and just knocking down shots. Um, that's not going to happen for you specifically in SEC play. It was KD early in the season, right? But it was Jabari when he got into SEC play that was just like, yeah, we're not going to lose, and he would just go out there and start being better than everybody. Um, I don't know who the who that guy is for this team this year who, you know, we need a bucket. He's better than everybody else. He's going to go get a bucket. I don't that that's the one thing I haven't been able to identify for this team. You know, KD definitely has the the dogish mentality in him, uh but he hasn't proven to just be a an unstoppable force yet. So, uh it, it may have to be by committee. I don't know, but uh we'll we'll see as the 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 season progresses who's going to step up into that role. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Like I said, I'm hoping, hoping the guys get it right at the right time and they, they can, can keep the foot on the pedal for the consistency. I think the synopsis of what you said last season was perfect because let's remember it was rolling, rolling, rolling. And then right when you got to that Missouri game, it took that last minute just effort by KD to shave them away by that 1.54 to 55 point win. And uh, you had two game, two good games against Oklahoma and Alabama, and then you played a very, very bad Georgia team close away. Away games are tough in the SEC, so we're not going to take any, you know, not going to take anything away from them there. Those are tough to come away with. But then you had Zepp out for that Arkansas game, and you really miss, mm-hmm. you really missed his defense and leadership there. And then it just that was kind of when you started to see the cookie crumble a little bit, and. That is that was the downhill track. So let's just hope that they uh, they get it good, and they can get it consistent, and you know keep it keep the uh, keep the formula fresh enough to where it's not so easy to figure out and not so easy to stop. And they should have the personnel. We hope they've got the personnel that can develop the chemistry in the right way to where Auburn is so multidimensional that there's too many ways to stop them, and they'll stop you before you can stop them. So looking forward to the season. <laughs> Yep, that's definitely the hope. Well, I appreciate it, man. We got a plenty more to talk about as this season rolls out. But so far, Auburn's still perfect. Uh, and uh, we'll continue this conversation. Uh, next up for Auburn is going to be Memphis, right? We got Memphis next? Oh, yeah. No, Memphis, like I said, going to Atlanta. And uh, we're just going to hope that, that stand, those stands are packed with the top recruits because we know that is an incredible fertile ground for basketball talent that Bruce Pearl has been tapping into for quite a long time. 
Yep, going to look forward to them facing Memphis, and uh, we'll try to be and, and get you guys some coverage of that game. But that's it, man. I'm, we're getting out of here. My guy Auburn memes here with me, Ike Jones, here on the Auburn Express, talking a little basketball. We'll get back at you guys after the Memphis game, and uh, hopefully we're coming back with another report of Auburn with a victory. Until then, and as always, War Eagle, we'll holler at y'all later. War Eagle, guys.